You're listening to Being Autistic. I'm your host, Shelly, and I am a 50-year-old woman sharing my experiences about what it's like to grow up knowing I was different but not knowing why, how I learned I was on the autism spectrum, and what it's like to be autistic. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number 12. This episode, I'm going to talk about some things that would make life better for autistic people. So I actually got the idea for this episode when I was starting to think about how there's like a contrast in the world between things that are natural and things that are man-made, you could say. Um, So what I realized was that things that are natural are pleasing to the senses. They, They make sense, they're logical, and they're Um, They're good for people, so they just make people feel good. And I realized that all of these things would be very beneficial in my life as an autistic person. And I realized that all of the opposite things of those, which which are mostly man-made things, are detrimental to autistic people, to the senses, to our happiness, to our mental health. You know, that's really what it comes down to is our mental health and how our senses affect our mental health. I think that's one of the biggest reasons why autistic people struggle with sensory sensitivities because there are so many things about the world that are just too harsh and most of the time those things are, you know, they're man-made. They're created by the system. They're created by society and they're not natural. So in this episode, I'm going to go through all of the things that I listed out, I actually made a, a list of all of these things, and there's like, there's like 30 things on my list. So let's get started. So I'm gonna go through natural things. Well, actually, you know, I'm gonna flip that around. I'm gonna go through the man-made things first because I kind of want to end the podcast on a, a happy note. I don't want to talk about all this horrible stuff and then end it. So let's start with the horrible stuff. Okay, so. One of the things that I think that happened in history that was awful for humanity was the Industrial Revolution. So I think there are so many things that come along with that that are just harmful to our senses, to our mental health, to our happiness, to the environment. Um, And so, like, industrial environments in general, I just... I don't know about you, but I don't feel good when I'm in them. So that can be uh, even something like driving through an industrial park in a city. It's all like big, you know, ugly buildings and there's usually not a lot of nature. You know, there's, they cut the trees down. There's all these like metal fences and semi trucks and garbage bins and smoke and just big dirty trucks and just all of that stuff just makes me cringe like I don't even like driving through an industrial part of a city another thing is factories you know factories in general are just awful for the senses they're they're loud even being in them I'm talking about working in them but also being outside of them they put off a lot of smoke they have fluorescent lights it's just a dirty uh, environment, loud, there's loud machines. I've worked in many factories and 
I don't know how I did it. I honestly don't. I, I mean, I was young when I worked in them, so I think my youth helped me to deal with it. But it's just constant loud machines, you know. Ugh. It just makes me cringe thinking about it. And another thing kind of related to that, when speaking about loud machines, is power tools. They also bother me. And a lot of people, a lot of autistic people, you know, they have problems with erratic, loud, sudden noises, and power tools are one of those, and I hear them from a distance, even when I'm outside, I'm like, oh, the neighbor is drilling something, and it just bothers me because when I'm trying to enjoy nature and I hear something like that, it's, it's jarring because it doesn't fit, you know, when you're sitting there looking at the trees and you know, watching the squirrels run around and then all of a sudden you hear this drill and it's like, no, it doesn't fit with this scene. So that's, that's a big one for me and that might be a big one for you too because most people that have autism, or most autistic people I should say, they don't like loud, jarring noises. Power tools, ugh, no, don't like them. <laughs> Another thing, I'm just kind of randomly going down this list here, so Another thing is taxes. So this is kind of a, a left turn here, but hear me out on the taxes thing. There is something that I can't name. I don't even know how to describe this that is not right about taxes. I mean, I know that we need to have money to build our roads and all of that stuff and to put into schools. Don't get me wrong, that stuff's important, but... <laughs> I don't know a single person that likes the fact that they have to have, you know, like a, one third of their money taken out of their paycheck. And, and then the other thing is you have to go get your taxes done. There's a deadline, you have to fill out forms, and you have to pay to do this, which is absolute hogwash. Because I learned this on an episode of a TV show where they expose the truth about things. It was It's called Adam Ruins Everything. You might have heard of the show, it's really cool. But anyway, he had an episode about taxes that basically explained that there is no reason at all for any company to charge you money to do your taxes because the government knows everything anyway. They know how much you make. They know, you know, all of the stuff about you, your legal, personal stuff. They can literally do this for you, and it's it's very silly that we have to pay a couple hundred dollars, sometimes even more, to have this done. And it's it's not just, like I said, I'm not against paying for things in the world, but the system has to be different. The whole taxes thing, like, the, the way that we get them done, it's stressful. It's a very stressful time of the year for everybody. Even if you know you're going to get money back, <laughs> you still have to go to the place and gather all of your forms. And this is the next thing on my list is forms. Autistic people have problems with forms and I, oh my gosh, I'm going through this with another thing right now. I've got these forms in the mail that I have no idea what to do. They sent me an explanation of how to fill them out or why to fill them out and and it says on there what you need but it's overwhelming. I just can't do forms and the thing with taxes is you gotta gather all of your forms. <laughs> you have to know what a W-2 is and a 
there's numbers and letters that go to these forms and I don't I just blank out I just can't fathom anything that they mean and it just overwhelms me and I hate it so not saying that these things have to be eliminated of course because they serve a purpose and they're necessary but it's just one of those things that is hard for a lot of autistic people to do and you know you're lucky if you have a head of household that takes care of that for you if that's the case but if you're living alone and you don't have anyone to help you it's just overwhelming and stressful so there's that <laughs> so the next thing on my list is rules for the sake of restriction not safety so rules are things that are necessary in the world to keep us safe but when they kind of overstep their bounds a little bit like they get a little too restrictive just for the sake of being restrictive I don't understand and I hate it too many rules there's actually a song that <laughs> says this very thing it's by one of my favorite bands Muse They're, the song is called Explorers and there's a line in the song that says running around in circles um, feeling caged by endless rules oh when i heard that lyric i'm like that's how i feel about life just endless rules just for the sake of just controlling us and honestly there's so many of them that i can't even think of one right now because that's just i'm sure you understand though i'm sure you know of rules that are dumb that don't make any sense why don't these rules make any sense so yeah, that, there's that. Another thing on my list is, I'm, I'm taking another left turn here, chemicals in your food. This is something that is making us sick. And this is like a, a special interest of mine is health. So I study this all the time. I know of all the bad chemicals that go in our food. And there's so many of them out there and it's really hard to avoid them so the reason why i think this is a problem is because these chemicals will cause our body to react in certain ways not only will it give you diseases and cancer in the long run in certain people you know autistic people are very sensitive to food and this might be a reason why there's so many people that are very picky when it comes to food maybe they just subconsciously know that there's chemicals in it like I cannot bring myself to eat some things that I know are like 99% horrible for me they're not natural like one example would be like donuts and pastries and muffins and cake and pie Ugh. like sugar chemicals and fake food colorings and oh just so horrible like it just makes me cringe I don't understand why humans have to make food that way when there is f food that comes right out of the earth a hundred percent pure and healthy for us and I'm gonna talk about that in the natural section more but yeah chemicals in food is a big deal to me and this is why I struggle with um, grocery shopping because it's expensive to buy organic healthy food <laughs> and it's very hard to find food that has not been grown in chemicals so you know that's that's a big deal so the next one on my list <laughs> this is gonna be a big subject 
and I'm gonna probably talk about this one for a while, but this is the 40-hour work week, or work in general. Now, I did an episode on struggles with work when it comes to autistic people. This is one of our biggest areas of struggle. This is something that, like, um, the, the statistic is like 83% or something, 80-something percent of autistic people struggle with work. They either don't work or they're on unemployment or they work part-time. So, and that brings me to the 40-hour work week thing. Like, I don't understand. Well, I do understand because I know how this started. The reason why this started, and I'm not the expert in this, but there is a reason why the 40-hour work week was created. Um, and it was not like this all the time. And I just, you know, if you ask any, even a neurotypical person, you know, how do you like to spend your time? Nobody's going to say, I want to spend eight hours every day, well, five days a week for 50 years of my life doing something that's not, you know, that I don't enjoy, that is stressful. It's just, yeah, work in general is a big subject. And listen to that episode if you want to hear my thoughts on how I have struggled with work. Maybe you have been lucky and you have a job that you love and it doesn't cause you stress and you don't mind being there for 40 hours a week. But I think the sweet spot would be half that. You know, like, I want time in my day to do some hobbies, you know, enjoy my interests, do some self-care, and not have to worry about, okay, I have to get to work I have to be at work, I have to get home from work, and then in between that I have to sleep, I have to cook, I have to eat, I have to take a shower. Where is the time for relaxing, for self-care, for enjoying life? <laughs> no, you have to enjoy life on the weekends, and that's if you're lucky enough to not have to work the weekends too. I've had so many jobs where I've had to work Saturdays, I even had one job where I had to work 12 hour days for six entire weeks straight with no days off. And then we would get two weeks off and then it'd be right back into six weeks solid. And the only reason I kept that job was because I didn't mind the actual work itself, but I, was, I also lived there. So it was a deal where I got free food and a free bed to sleep in. And I saved a lot of money and so. Yeah, in general, the 40-hour work week is a bunch of crap. And there's a lot of people, there's a, a lot of different uh, organizations out there that are working to abolish that, not just for universal basic income, which would be great. Other countries have it, but also to, you know, empower people to become their own boss. That's why I started my own business, so that I could at least work from home and I could put in as much time as I wanted and you know the commute minus the commute is great you know that's a really big part of it too I'm sure you've seen the memes on Facebook where it's like six rows of traffic on a freeway just at a dead stop because every car is bumper to bumper and everybody's just getting to work it just makes you realize we're, we're just like a bunch of ants <laughs> like looking down on an ant colony they're just rushing to one place rushing to another place you know it's it's their existence and it shouldn't be that way we should be able to enjoy life we should not be stuck 
in a commute on the freeway getting stressed out just to be stressed out at work too. And related to work, this is another big issue with autistic people I have learned is interviews. Going on an interview for a job is literally hell. It's basically a test in how social you can be and how you can um, present yourself as the best person that they want to have working for them. There are so many flaws in this. Number one is autistic people are good at doing tasks, but we are not good at social conversations. We are not good at breaking ourselves up and, and highlighting our positive points. And really, it's, I don't, I mean, I get it from an employer's perspective that they need to meet you first and get to know you a little bit to decide if they want to hire you. I get it, but why can't they just maybe bring you in and walk you around the, the workplace and and have something for you to do so that you can show them that you can physically do the job maybe just you know shadow someone and and watch what they're doing and then see if how well you can do it and you know not ask you stupid questions like name a time when you were in a a stressful situation with a coworker and how did you resolve it you know, those are absolute horrible questions for autistic people. And that's what they all ask you. You know, and they also ask you things like, what to, how many days in one year is appropriate for you to call into work? I've actually been asked this before. And I know the answer they're going for. They want you to say, none. I, I don't call in. I just, I just show up every day. You know, that's what they want. But everybody knows there's bad days. Everybody knows you get sick. Everybody knows there's weather that gets in the way. There's car problems that get in the way. Your kid might be sick. But they don't want to hear that. They just want to hear that, that you're just a, a faithful servant that will show up every day. So yeah, the whole interview thing, it needs to be redone. I don't like the way it is right now. It's just... It should not be focused. It should not be a test on how well you can talk for one thing. That's just awful. All right, another left turn here for the next one. Fake relationships or relationships that are based on benefits. Now, there are some people, of course, there's going to be ex exceptions of autistic people that have no problem with friends with benefits or just using somebody for sex or using somebody for whatever. But... The majority of autistic people that I've talked to, and myself included, do not like fake things, do not like lying, do not like things that are uh, inauthentic. So what I mean by fake relationships would be uh, people that only talk about one thing and they're not, it's not a very deep relationship, it's like a shallow one, or one that's off, um, or one person does more than the other. To, you know, it's not, it's not two-sided, it's one-sided, and that's, you know, I don't like that. I don't like the thought of a friendship or a relationship being imbalanced in any way, or based on somebody getting some benefit, you know, like a, if somebody's got an ulterior motive. And the thing is, it's hard for autistic people to notice these, these things, like, 
Like when I was in high school, I had friends that did horrible things to me. And I didn't know it. I didn't know because I'm just, you know, a naive and trusting. And it bothers me when people take advantage of autistic people in that way. So that's something that, you know, if that could be changed, it'd be great. But I don't think it can be because there's too many people in the world that just are not authentic when it comes to dealing with other people. And that brings me to the next thing on my list, which is social norms and obligations. This is a big one. At least it is for me. Social norms, there's no rules. I mean, there are rules, but we don't know them. Um, and that leads to a lot of misunderstandings and awkward moments, stress, anxiety, all that crap. And obligations is a big one too. Like for me, obligations would be something like family gatherings, graduation parties, weddings, funerals, you know, things like that, that, oh, you're expected to go buy a gift for these people and go to their house and then you have dinner there and then everybody sits around and does small talk. Oh my God, there's nothing worse to me than that. And I, I've been lucky that I, my mom understands that it bothers me and so she doesn't force me to go to those things anymore. But as a child and even a young adult, I, I kind of was expected to do that. And that's how I know I hate it. You know, like a, an hour or two into it, even, even a half an hour into it, I'm ready to go home. <laughs> um, and even though it's family and I love them, it's nothing against the people. It's, I don't like those things with friends either. Um, although I gotta say, it is a little better with friends because you choose your friends. So you obviously have things to talk about with them where that might not be the case with families. So that, that's probably a big one for most people listening. <laughs> the next one on my list is individual responsibility for survival. So let me explain that one. Back in the old days, our ancestors grew up in villages. They lived in like a little collection of houses to close together where their families all were. And when you had kids or even anybody, you had support with all of your family and all of the other people that were in your village. There were people that took care of your children while you slept or made dinner, you know. It wasn't all on your shoulders. And the part about survival, you know, everybody nowadays is expected to have a job, you know, pay all their bills, have a place to live. And if you're single, those things are just monumentally hard. Like, I'm single. I live alone. All my bills are my responsibility. I don't have anyone to help me with anything unless I ask. Um, and if somebody is a single parent, you know, good luck. Because the world is not set up for your, for your benefit. They, they act like you are, um, you know, like able to be superwoman or superman, you know, pay all the bills, bring all the kids to everything they want to go to, appointments and activities, taking care of your house, taking care of your car, sleeping, food, 
It's just insane. And back in the old days, like I said, people lived in villages. They took care of each other. Nowadays, there are so many people out there that are alone, that have no support, that are struggling, that can barely survive. And this is probably a big reason why um, suicide is, is common in autistic people because the world just gets to be too much and we have no support. We are all expected to just take care of, you know, everybody lives in their own houses. They don't really live close to people that can help them. It's just individualized and separated, and I hate that. Um, so moving on to the next one on this list. This, this is another one that I have to explain, and that's insurance. So I know that insurance is necessary, I think, but here's where I, I think my opinion goes against the norm too much. And not, not too much for me, but too much for other people. So my opinion on insurance is I think it's crap. I think that, like, look at how much you spend in insurance compared to how much they actually help you. Oftentimes you're paying, you know, a couple hundred dollars a month for any type of insurance. This is medical, this is car insurance, life insurance, house insurance, any of that stuff. A couple hundred dollars a month sometimes. And just, you know, when you need them, they sometimes will say, this is not in your policy. This is not covered. Or they'll say, you know, you have a deductible, so you have to pay $100 first. You know, like, not only am I paying them a couple hundred dollars a month, now I got to pay them another $100 just because this happened. Uh, and the thing with insurance is like, I don't know. I think it, I could probably go off on a tangent for a while on that one, but it's just to get more money out of us, really. Um, most people never end up getting in return what they put into insurance. Honestly, I'm sure that nobody ever has. Unless, unless you've been awarded some like, I don't even know. I don't even know the situation where that would be, but most, I would I would actually bet that 99% of the people in the entire world never ever get in return what they are paying to their insurance. So it's just, it's another way to get money from us and it doesn't seem right and it doesn't make sense and I don't understand. But anyway, <laughs> all of these things are making me a little bit irritated and I can't wait to get to the section where I talk about all the good stuff, but I'm not done with these things yet. So the next one on my list is inflated costs for profit. So what this means is basically inflation, but the whole thing with inflation I think is stupid because why? Why at all is, does it make sense that as time goes on, things have to get more expensive? There is, I, I'm not, a, I'm not smart with this sort of thing with financial political things, but can someone explain to me in a simple sentence why, you know, why from one year to the next, the same item is $100 more or $1,000 more? Our parents used to be able to buy a house for 20 grand and now houses are like three grand. The inflation is insane. And I think it's all about profit. You know, I think corporations, businesses, companies in general, are just trying to get profit from us. And a lot of the, th the things on this list that I'm talking about, a lot of them are money driven. You know, a lot of them are because people just are greedy. 
and greed is going to destroy the world. And as an autistic person, it doesn't make sense to me. We should, why do you need more money than, than it takes to survive? Because survival, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm kind of like struggling here to find the words to explain how I feel about this, but hopefully some of you out there will understand. <laughs> I really think that, you know, the cost of things should not change. Um, at least, at the very least, make it so that we can be, you know, minimum wage goes up as much as the cost of things. And that's a big, obviously a big su subject. A lot of people are mad about that. So the next thing on my list is, actually the next one is extensive transportation and freeway systems. Now this is another one that I have to explain. Transportation is good, you know, we need to get around, but here's the thing that bothers me. When you see those pictures on Facebook of these ramps and overpasses and freeways and highways, and the picture is literally all just cement with cars on it. And it makes, like I, I'm going back to the ant analogy, it makes me feel like humans are just ants. Like, where's the soul? Where's the humanity? Where's the nature? I think that um, there should be no such thing as big cities. And this is another thing on my list. Urban living as opposed to rural living. Urban living is where, you know, it's a big city. It's crowded, it's noisy, it's busy. And there's freeways, buses, trains, taxis. Just, to me, it almost looks like humans are just driven to get from one place to another and I don't know there's something not normal about that there's something and I can't even put it into words maybe some of you can understand but it just I kind of wish that the world was set up designed I should say with roads that were like one single road going to this from this town to this town um you know, I get the I get the point of freeways. It's so that you can bypass all the small towns. And I'm not against freeways. I just think it's overwhelming to drive on them. Maybe some of you can relate to that. Um, it's stressful driving on freeways. But if they could just make them a little more simpler, you know, instead of five or six lanes, having it be two, you know, or instead of this really bothers me when I'm driving in a big city here's your directions get off this ramp and go on this freeway for 0.2 miles then get in the next a different lane to get in a different ramp to get on this freeway for the next mile and then then you have to cross three lanes to take this exit to get on to this freeway and i just <laughs> it's it's stressful just thinking about it and i think there's got to be a simpler way not that i want to go back to dirt roads and horse-drawn buggies but i mean like the slower paced transportation is some something that there, there's got to be a way that we can make it better it's just maybe maybe i just need to avoid big cities but i think this is where i was saying i don't think big cities are good um there's not as, as much nature in them the people tend to be not as personable, like they're not as social. Not that, you know, obviously autistic people struggle with being social, but I don't like, you know, knowing that I'm walking around in a big city and not a single person 
would probably help me if I needed help. Nobody cares about me. They're just, they're on their way to work. They're on their way home. They're just on a mission. Nobody has the sense of just living and it, people don't seem human to me when they, they're like robots or like ants. And that's how I picture big cities being. Of course, there's also the whole thing with a lot of crime in big cities. And that's something that bothers me. So, yeah, there's just so many things about... <sighs> I'll go on to the next thing now. The next thing on my list is money. So this comes along with... Uh, work where really work is just to get money but when it comes down to it back in the old days money was not a thing people just did things for other people and then they lived in villages you know so there was a guy that liked to help people you know heal their wounds so he became the doctor and then you know there's somebody that likes to cook so they became the chef and they all traded, you know, they all did things for the group. And nobody had money because you didn't need it. You just worked with other people. Other people supported you in the areas that you were not good at. And that's the way that life should be. It should not be based on, you know, 40 hours a week for most of your life to get a piece of paper to buy things that aren't... We, the worthiness of things is not based on pieces of paper and it's proven by inflation you know like how is a house worth twenty thousand dollars in this decade but another decade it's worth three hundred thousand what really is the correct value of that home <laughs> you know and then you got these people like the amish who build their homes themselves as a group as a village as a community and nobody is paying for the house it's just what they do so the whole thing with money and work and jobs and survival it's just the system is messed up and as an autistic person i i can see these things where i don't think neurotypical people usually pick up on these things they're just like oh this is just the way it is but why it doesn't make sense to me it's a struggle it's it's the hard way of doing things it's the way that makes people depressed you know so why why is the world set up the way it is when it hurts so many people even if it doesn't hurt you it is hurting you i've got one more thing on this list of issues with the world and that is industrialized agriculture particularly with animals so what that means is um, so like when you, chickens and cows, when you want to eat chicken or beef, most of the time, if you're not careful where you buy it, you're buying this, um, food, uh, this, <laughs> this product of an animal that was murdered in a, a very cruel way. And, you know, they're kept in really tight confinement and they're not fed the correct food that they're supposed to be fed. They're not being able to move around. They're given chemicals and hormones and it's all just to produce a lot of stuff for profit. 
what you want, well, what I want, what I think is healthy for the world is for farms to raise animals the way it used to be with just a couple of them enough. You know, you could even have a lot. They just should not be in confined cages with no sunlight and not being able to move their bodies. And so I don't like the fact that animals are being tortured and killed. So I just want to say here that I am not a vegan or vegetarian. I do eat meat, but I, that is one of the things that I'm really passionate about is that I think if you're going to eat meat and stuff, it should be pasture raised and that goes for beef and chicken. So, and with fish as well, you know, there's farm factory fish, which is just, ugh, what it is is a fake pool that's made in the ground and they throw thousands of fish in there you know and then they give them chemicals and all this hormones and crap and then they oh this is a deep rabbit hole if you really want to go down this and then they also like put fake coloring in them to make them look like the color that you expect to see in the grocery store and i know that's true with salmon i like to eat salmon it's very good for you but if you don't buy wild caught salmon you're basically buying this experiment this factory experiment is just gross so it really bothers me that animals are treated horribly and you know there are more humane ways to get animal meat so and i'm so glad that i'm done with this list now because i'm kind of getting riled up a little bit and i'm done with that and so now i'm moving on to the good happy part of this podcast episode and now i'm going to talk about the alternatives to all of those things and some of that stuff I did kind of mention already a little bit, like when I was talking about each one, I kind of gave ideas of how I thought it should be. But I'm going to really focus now on the natural things that would make, that do make the world so much better for us. And thank God for these things, because if these things did not exist, then it would just be a horrible world, even worse than it is. So... The first thing on this list, of course, is nature. And this is something that up until the other day, I thought everybody would feel better in nature. But I was actually listening to a podcast of another autistic person that said that he hated being in nature. He hated playing outside as a kid. And, you know, everybody's got their preferences, of course. But I, I'm i a really big proponent of nature because actually my business which is all about holistic wellness um, I talk a lot about nature and how living a natural lifestyle is good for your body your mind and your soul and there's actually been studies that have proven that you know if you just sit it's actually called forest bathing if you sit in a forest or in greenery and trees and just absorb nature your blood pressure goes down, your stress levels go down, your happiness levels go up. You know, it's just, I think it's a fact. And so if somebody doesn't like nature, that's their prerogative. But I think, I really think that that would be like the minority of people. Like anytime I feel upset, I can just look out the window and just forget about my problems for a minute and even if I just walk outside if I step outside even to throw my garbage away I still feel better in that you know 10 second time span just being outside 
So I'm a really big proponent of nature and green space. So I think when it comes to overstimulation of your senses, if you can just go outside in greenery and green nature, especially if it's um, in the morning when the sun's coming up or in the evening when the sun's going down or even at night, it's even better because a lot of people are sensitive to the sunlight and I, of course I'm one of them. When I go outside around noon, it's like, mm, I don't like this. I'd rather, I, I feel like there's a spotlight on me. So I prefer to go outside in the nighttime. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of like a night owl anyway, but yeah, being outside at night, I feel safer. Not safer from like crime and like people that are doing bad stuff outside, but I mean like safer in the sense of, I feel like there's a, a safety blanket just laying on me of the of the nighttime the darkness is like a safety blanket to me and nobody can see me unless i'm like right up against them you know but there's nothing better oh my god i love being outside in my yard at night when nobody can see me and i can see the stars and the trees it's just so healing so if you struggle with um like oversensitivity and just depression and anxiety, try going outside at night, um, preferably when, you know, it depends where you live. A lot of people, if they live in a city, you know, they live in a high-rise apartment, there's really nowhere they can go that's close. But if you have a yard, I am just, you know, I just, I just love it so much. Just try to find an outdoor space that you feel safe in because nature is very healing. The next thing on this list is music. So this is a big part of my life. And the reason why I'm putting it here is because I'm going to probably do another episode on music. So I'm going to keep this short, actually. Music is rhythm, harmony, and melody. Those are the elements of music. And all of those three things are very good for soothing, calming down, or even energizing if you need that. You know, it's Rhythm is a good thing because rhythm is like routine. It's like, you know, your body can move to it. And everybody, you know, who has like a, a habit of rocking, you know, a lot of autistics rock back and forth. That's where music is great. You know, we're rocking already. <laughs> you know, it's just a music is just a way for the rocking to make sense. And, you know, the harmony part of music is good too because that's like when two different musical notes go together and they create a third one and they sound good together it's just pleasing it's pleasing to the ears and it's just calming you know i think everything about music like i said i'm going to talk about that in another episode because i think that's a really big deal um and like not only because it's my favorite thing in the world but Music is healing. It's, you know, there is such a thing as sound healing. And I'm going to talk about that. So if, you know, and here's another thing I want to say about music quick. A lot of autistic people don't like loud noises, but yet they love loud music. And that right there proves, you know, that kind of sums up how I feel about it. It's, it's the exception to the rule that most noises are distracting, but not music. Music is different. 
So I'm gonna move on to the next thing now, and that is free time. So in the other list where I had the 40-hour work week, this is the opposite of that. Free time is important. Free time is so crucial to our mental health. You know, we need that balance. We need the work-life balance. We need to have free time every day, not just two days out of the week. Because free time is when we can explore our hobbies and our interests, of course, which if, you know, if you're anything like most autistic people, they could spend an entire day just getting absorbed in their special interest and not even realize that the day has gone. I mean, I struggle with that. So th the more free time, the more we're allowed to just be in the flow of what makes us happy. The next thing on my list is human rights. And this also can also be animal rights as well. Any living thing needs rights. And this is part of why I hate rules so much because a lot of the rules are just meant to restrict our rights. And one of the things that I'm passionate about is justice. So people, fairness, you know, things should be fair. Humans have rights that keep us, that should keep us, you know, keep justice prevailing. <laughs> but justice does not always prevail, and that bothers me. I really, I think that in a perfect world, everybody would have the same rights, everything would be fair, justice would always prevail. So yeah, that's something too. And now the next thing on my list is something I talked about a minute ago, and that's organic food. So when I talked about chemicals in the food, that was the opposite of this. Um, so I think if people eat a diet of mostly whole foods, organic if they can, then a lot of things would be better. Um, so it just... Not everybody is going to agree with this, but food is one of my special subjects, my special interests. I could talk about this forever. In fact, I do in my business because I'm really big into holistic healthiness. So um, the thing with food is when you see two different foods side by side and one of them is like refined bread that's been colored with food coloring and there's like sugar all over it. And then on the other hand, you see, you know, some fruit and vegetables that just came out of somebody's garden. It just makes sense to me that we're not supposed to eat the bad one. We're supposed to eat the one that's healthy, that came out of the earth, that wasn't manufactured in a factory with chemicals. And so, yeah, that's a, that's a deep subject I could talk about for a long time, but I think the world would just be a better place if there was only healthy foods because you know, bad food leads to illnesses. And when people get sick, they get depressed and it's just, it affects your mind and it's just bad. The next thing on my list is natural relationships, not based on benefits. So this is just the flip side of the fake relationships. Um, when I mean, when I say natural relationships, what I mean is relationships that happen organically, that aren't forced, that are mutual, that are... Um, what's the word where both people are giving the same? Um, there is a word for it and I'm blanking on it now, but it's basically, you know, where two people are equal. One person gives, the other person gives, one person gives, the other person gives. Um, it's mutually 
beneficial and fulfilling and it's very fulfilling for both people so if only the world could be that way but i don't think i think too many people are um they've suffered a lot of trauma and trauma leads to abuse and you know humans aren't perfect so that's something that kind of doesn't really do much good to talk about because i don't think that can be changed the next thing on my list, this is going to surprise some of you, sun and fire being the only true sources of light. <laughs> That's a very random thing, but let me explain. So, uh, when people don't have industrialized civilizations, basically like, you know, our ancestors, they only saw the sun and fire. That's how they got around. That's how they could see. And that's how our eyes and our bodies have evolved. We are not designed to look at fake light. We are not designed for fluorescent lights. And that probably is why a lot of autistic people are bothered by them because they're not natural. So what I've done is I have went around my house and I've replaced all of my bright fluorescent lights with, actually I never had fluorescent lights. I just had light bulbs, but I replaced all those light bulbs with amber light bulbs which are the color of fire and I've also gotten a lot of Himalayan salt lamps which are you know orange so everything is like little candles little fires you know and and then of course the Sun is is a true source of light so this is tied in with our circadian rhythm the more natural light you get in your life in general the better and that means that you know if there's no such thing as fake light in the evening, your body will naturally get tired sooner. And this is a subject that I'm very passionate about as well because I have a dis delayed sleep phase disorder, which is common with autistic people. It's basically where your circadian rhythm is messed up and it's, it's delayed by a couple of hours. So this is what happened. When I started to redo all of my sleep hygiene and I ended up, you know, getting all of these salt lamps and the, these amber light bulbs. And then I also started going outside in the morning to get some natural sunlight. I was actually able to make my body sleep at a somewhat normal time. So instead of going to bed at two or three in the morning, I now am able to go to bed at midnight, which is a huge difference. And I also wake up around 8 a.m., which is like, what? You know, that's that's never happened before. I used to, ha my mom used to drag me out of bed to dress me for school because I couldn't wake up. And now I have a, a way easier time getting up early because I have used natural light in my life to my benefit. And I've used it to switch my circadian rhythm. So... I think the world took a step back in some ways when it invented light. Not that I, I mean, I, I know we need light because you can't just fumble around in your house in the dark. We, we still need some lights. Like I still have these lights, I, these lamps, you know. I think the, a, a big thing is overhead lights are never good, especially at night. So like, I've heard this said by a lot of doctors that specialize in circadian rhythm. At night, if you need light, you should have low lights, meaning low, close to the ground, not above your eyes. 
and I've noticed this. This is something I struggle with when it comes to light sensitivity. When I get in my car and drive in the daytime, I need to flip my visor down because the bright light really bothers the tops of my eyeballs. <laughs> like, I think this is really the, the issue when it comes to light sensitivity. I'm wondering if any of you struggle with this as well, where it's just like overhead lights that bother you, not lights down below. Also, you know, there are other, when it comes to bright lights, if somebody shoves a phone in my face and they have their phone bright brightness on too high, I can't stand that. But at, on, at the same time, um, like I said, it's, it's, it's mostly low lights that are good. I think I'm kind of rambling here. I'm losing my train of thought. Um, but basically what I'm saying is <laughs> it's healthy and it's natural to use natural light and dim amber colored light low to the ground in the evening when you need it. That's it. Okay, the next thing on this list is freedom from social norms. So social norms, as I said, was one of the things that makes life hell for us. So if we could have freedom from those, that helps a lot. And of course, this is a big thing with autistic people. We try to avoid having to deal with social norms. We don't understand them. So it'd be great. I know this isn't possible, but how can we get the whole world on board with, you know, not having social norms anymore? I don't know, maybe some of them might be important for some reasons, but just the expectation and then the judgment when you don't follow that, it's just bleh, horrible for us. So the next thing on my list is community living in villages. Like I mentioned this in the other section where we are responsible for our own individual survival now, but back in the village days, people took care of each other. They did group living. There was more support. Um, a lot of people might be hearing this and think, oh, I don't want to live in a group sit setting. You know, I want to, I want to be alone. And I, and I totally get that because I'm the same way, but here is the, where it's, um, this is important. I think it's important for humans to live in a group setting in a village for support reasons, for safety reasons, but I think everybody within that community deserves their own private space. Like let's just imagine living in a little village of like tiny houses. If you don't know what tiny houses are, they're like kind of look like trailers. They're like a rectangular shape and they're on like wheels so you can haul them around. Um, they're just, the they're minimalist, you know, it, just the basics. You don't have clutter, you don't have stuff you don't need. It's just a cozy little place to sleep and eat and live. And if, if each person had their own little tiny house, you would be able to have your privacy. You would be able to get away from the crowd. You would be able to recharge. And then if you need people, go outside. There's the people. You know, everybody else has their own little tiny house. You can go to somebody else's house. But that is what I think would be the ideal way to live in a community like that. Where, you know, you don't have to drive. You just go outside 
like little neighborhoods in in a little like grove of trees with like a stream running through. <laughs> I'm kind of just dreaming now, but like that'd be perfect. You know, I think it'd be just so healthy. It would be so good for our mind to just know that if you need help with something, you have people that can help you just outside. People that love you, people that support you, and you're not just expected to do everything yourself on your own, you know. So yeah, I could talk for hours about that. Let's move on to the next one, and that is basic needs met for everyone. Basically, this would be universal basic income because, let's face it, if everybody in the world had all the food they needed to eat, if they had a roof over their head and a bed to sleep in, do you know how many problems would be solved? Other countries have universal basic income. So, like, just the way it is, I'm in the U.S., and I know a lot of other countries are set up this way too but you know it's like you turn 18 you're on your own take care of yourself good luck you know that's what it's that's what it feels like and I think that's another reason why when I turned 18 and became an adult <laughs> quote unquote adult I became more way more anxious and depressed because I felt like I'm not equipped to do this I struggle with all of these things, you know, taxes, interviews, just expectations, rules, all of that stuff, you know. And if we could just have a system set up so that everybody had their own place to live, you know, I'm not saying that everybody's going to get like five grand a month so that you can just blow it on expensive things. That ain't what I'm saying. I think everybody should get the necessities for life. Everybody deserves food. Everybody deserves a bed. Everybody deserves to not get wet when it's raining. So, you know, it's it seems like it would be so possible. Just don't put so much money into the, the things that don't matter and put the money into the things that matter. But that's not the way the world is. And it bothers me. <laughs> the next thing on my list is slow travel. And I talked about this when I talked about the, the freeway systems and the transportation. So, like I said, I don't think we need to go back to dirt roads and um, horse-drawn buggies. But I think there can be something changed about the transportation system that can just calm things down a little bit, you know make things a slower pace. Make it so that we don't look like a bunch of ants, just, or robots, you know, just, I gotta get here, I gotta get there, I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta be there, I gotta, I gotta get there quick, you know. Just slow down and just enjoy life while you're traveling. You know, there actually is a thing called slow travel. It's like a subject out there, you know, it's, it's a real thing. It's basically where they focus on enjoying every step of the way you know it's not just about hopping on a plane and getting there quickly and doing all these things and then flying back it's it's like about i'm not even sure if this is the what they focus on but i think it should be focused on driving because slow travel is all about enjoying the process of traveling uh, enjoying things along the way looking at new cities 
And this is one of the reasons why I get stressed out by travel because it feels too fast paced. It's, it feels like, you know, especially when you're driving on a freeway or something, or if you're in an airport, I'm sure a lot of autistic people get extremely agitated in an airport. I've only been in an airport twice. Well, technically three times to leave, to get to another one, to get to, to get back. And I did not like it. I had a friend with me that knew how to navigate airports. So thank God for her because I was like, just, I'm just going to follow you tell me what to do. And just, it's very overwhelming. So basically slow travel, I think focuses on driving short distances and exploring more of your environment and enjoying just the act of travel for its own sake, not just to get to the destination. So I think in general, things should be slower. And I almost wish that we could slow down the speed limit because when I'm driving fast, I mean, I understand you gotta get places and the way the world is set up, you know, if this if the speed limit was 30 miles an hour everywhere, we'd, we'd be late for everything. But what I mean is, you know, like driving slow, it's not only is it safer, but it's less stressful for everybody. I mean, I'm sure you would agree if you were driving on a road going 80 miles an hour and another car pulled out in front of you, your life is going to change. Whatever happens is going to be bad. But if you're driving 30 miles an hour and a car pulls out ahead of you, you can slam on your brakes quick enough. If anything at all comes out in front of you, a deer, an animal, whatever. So like, I just think, I just wish the world ran at a slower pace. And, and that, that's kind of a general theme of, of people that are autistic, I think. We just take in all the information and it overwhelms us and it overstresses us and we, we need to process it. And here's an example, you know, let's say you're driving through a, a beautiful like country meadow and you know you see some pretty trees and you see a stream and there's no cars coming so you're able to just look at everything and take your time and now <laughs> imagine driving on a freeway going 80 with people honking at you and cutting you off and there's just gray cement everywhere and you have to think really fast because you got to know where your next turn is and you got to know what lane to be in so those two examples are the opposite of each other. And all I'm saying here is that a slower pace of travel is safer and better for our mental health. I honestly don't know how some people can even do it. I don't know how some people can be in a car for an hour or two every day in this commute and just dealing with traffic and just to get to work. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to move on to the next thing now, and that is moneyless trading. So this is, I talked about this a minute ago when I was talking about how villages were. They did things for each other. And money, money is just pieces of paper that are not worth anything except for the fact that we all think it is. You know, the paper itself is probably worth five cents but we have made money this thing that the world is based off of 
if you don't have money, you can't do anything. If you don't have money, you can't eat. If you don't have money, you can't have a house. If you don't have a money, you can't even like transport yourself anywhere. If you don't have money, you're literally stuck where you are at the mercy of whoever can help you. But it shouldn't be that way. We should be able to live in the world without money. And trading things was one of the ways that our ancestors um, did the things like that. Like, let's say you have a, an animal that's a pet. Well, not a pet, you know, like a cow. <laughs> and, and you, let's say you needed a surgery and you knew a doctor and he's like, hey, I'll do the surgery if you give me your cow. That way your problem is fixed and I have food for a while. You know, why can't we do things like that? And people do do things like that. There are organizations out there and people that are into trading. There's websites where you can trade things. And this is becoming a growing thing. And I think it's awesome. Of course, you have to have something in order to trade, but it's still better than needing to work for money. I mean, yeah, there's probably flaws in that plan, but you know what I'm saying? It's, <laughs> it's more, it brings the person back into the, into the equation. Like when you're doing a transaction with someone, it just seems so depersonalized when it's like, here's the thing you want. There's the thing I want. Let's chain, let's hand each other some dollar bills and then we can do this thing. You know, it just seems weird. It's, it's adding another extra thing in there that doesn't need to be in there. I don't think. So the next thing on this list is sustainable farming and permaculture. So if you've never heard of permaculture, it's basically farming that, like I said, it's sustainable. It's, um, it's like an ecosystem of itself. So it's um, growing things in, in a healthy, economical, organic way that's good for the environment. It's good for ecology. It's where you're, you know, you're, you're using natural things to fertilize the soil and you're also doing crop rotating because it's not good to grow the same thing over the same plot of land. Some, in some cases it might be, but permaculture also uses natural like ways to capture water. So there is no such thing as irrigation because you just capture water yourself and use it, use the rainwater. And so that's, I think that's where the world could be so different. Instead of industrialized agriculture and instead of factories and industrial things, we could all just get what we need from these sustainable farms. It'd be healthier for everybody. It'd be healthier for the environment, for the earth. And, you know, I don't know how many autistic people are really into the ecological things in the environment, but I would guess that most of them would be all for it because it's natural, it's healthy, it's safe, and it's just uh, better all around for us to live in a world that's not man-made. <laughs> that's really what, it, what this whole episode is down to. It's natural versus man-made stuff. And I, I do have one more thing left on the naturalist and that's rural living that, you know, so small towns. I think if we all lived in small towns, everything would be so much better. And I don't understand 
why are, I mean, I get it, big cities on like the coasts and, you know, seas and lakes, people put, like to gather around those places. And that's why there are big cities like LA is on the, on the, or, you know, by the ocean and, and New York City is on water, you know. I get why big cities came to be. But I think there should be a cap. I think there. I think they should like spread out a little more. <laughs> um, I just the the whole idea of millions of people concentrated in one area. It doesn't. It just seems weird to me. It seems unnatural. So what I think would be the the healthiest for us and for the world, the, the earth, I should say, is to spread out a little more instead of having Los Angeles have like a bunch of other smaller towns that are spread apart like maybe not even a mile apart like half a mile apart enough so that there's some nature in between you know have some big forest areas in between these little villages so yeah that's really that's something that I I want to think about more is I wonder if there's any people out there that are actively making that happen. Well, I mean, I know it's impossible because you can't just take Los Angeles and split it up into millions of smaller parts. But if in the future, like, I think we should avoid making big cities even bigger. And I think we should, you know, I'm all for suburbs, although, you know, suburbs are still kind of nuts too. You know, there's still a lot of people there and it's all about shopping in suburbs and shopping is like... I could, yeah, shopping is, for the sake of just shopping, you know, that's, I don't, that doesn't make sense to me. I think we should buy the things we need, but the whole thing with, you know, I, I actually live near cities that are, like, 90% of why the city exists is because it's shopping. <laughs> like, that's where you go when you want a certain store because they have every store under the sun, and just, that just seems weird to me. Um, I think there, of course, there should be places to shop, and I think there should be <clears throat> larger areas to go to. Um, but I think that it should be spread out more. And I'll give people, like, some space, you know. Give us space to breathe. Give us some quiet areas. Give us some areas that are not filled with light pollution. Like, the, uh, yeah. I'm realizing now that this episode is just one big long rant of how I hate the world and how it could be a better world, but, and then it's also kind of making me realize that it's not possible. I mean, it might be possible in some areas that I'm talking about, but it really needs to be a, a group effort. And if the whole world is not on board with these things, it's still going to be there, you know? And now as, as autistic people, we know that changing the majority of the world is not possible. We can't just make everybody different. We can't make everybody be like us. We can't make everybody want the same things that we do. But I truly believe that the things that I talked about in this episode, um, I wish that neurotypical people would take it seriously and really understand that you know, I think the world would be a better place for everybody if we could just focus on more natural things, more slow things, more natural things, more healthy things, more things that make sense, more freedom, just 
yeah. I should probably end this episode now because it has gone on now for over an hour and I hope I was able to get some people to kind of be more aware of, I don't even know. I don't know what my purpose was with this episode, but basically I just wanted to talk about, you know, maybe there's weight. Maybe there's a group, groups of people out there that can band together and make changes. It's really all about making changes in the world. And, you know, I've heard this said before that autistic people came here to change the world because we, <laughs> we have the, the logical mindset of, you know, we, we value justice, we value truth, we value safety, we value health. And why isn't the world more set up to be that way? And if that is true that we are meant to change the world, then I hope I am doing my part by bringing awareness to the things that I believe should be changed. And of course, I can't take it on myself. I mean, if I could snap my fingers and change the things, I could. But um, So yeah, that's this episode. I'm going to stop talking now because I've rambled enough. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next week.